full circle. Full circle. Hi, I'm Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. Girlfriend, this is a place where you and I can connect. It's the show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Family, welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. I can already tell today's show is going to be wonderful. If you remember from last week, it feels like a continuation of what we were talking about. So last week we had friends of the show, Regina Ruffin on, who does business risk management. And so remember at the end of the show, I was saying it's kind of like a two-week business course here on Full Circle. So we talked risk management last week with Regina Ruffin, Assertive Risk Management Solutions. And today we've got friends of the show, Tiffany Sharp Esquire. Let me give her her props. She is an attorney and Tiffany has pivoted to something new. She is a licensed attorney and advocate who has spent over 20 years advancing the legal, social, and economic rights of marginalized and underrepresented communities. She has worked extensively in matters involving state and federal law, constitutional law, immigration, business, and cannabis equity law, women's rights, and justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. A busy woman, but I'm glad she made time to stop by Full Circle because she's got some new stuff going on. And there's nothing more I love than to see someone pivot. And man, I'm telling you, this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the best pivoters <laughs> I know. So welcome back to the show, friend to the show, Tiffany Sharp. Thank you for being here, Miss Tiffany. Good morning. It's so good to be back and it's so good to see you yeah. in person, live in I the know. flesh, doing things outside. <laughs> <laughs> right. After this two year stand of us That's being right. in the house and all of the things. Introduce yourself to anyone that may be listening that may not be familiar with you and then we're going to kind of dig into you, you know how we do yeah yeah thank you well you you gave a, a amazing introduction as as always um like you said i'm a licensed attorney i um uh, have been working for my entire career really to advance underrepresented and marginalized communities in some form or fashion uh and you know, during this pandemic time, uh, you're right, I took a little pivot, started really thinking about, you know, I'm coming up on my 20 years of, of being an attorney um, in a few weeks, actually. Yeah. It'll be officially 20 years of being licensed and thinking about, you know, how do I want to be of service in the best way, considering what I've learned, how I've grown, how I've really observed um, the needs of the community and what's important and most importantly how do we how do we progress forward in a manner that puts us in a position that's um, economically sustainable Mm -hmm. right I'm really focused on you know I spent you know 20 years doing some work that was was challenging emotionally you know when you anybody that has worked in any field where you're helping people who are um, struggling and need help in some form or fashion there it's you know it's it's challenging to to the to the self and to the soul and and um, and now I'm really looking forward in in looking at ways to celebrate uh, how you know how we can move forward and economically 
um, prosperous manner and, and socially prosperous manners and uh, and so, yeah, I made a little pivot. Uh, well, I, you know, it was a little pivot. I had always been doing some things. You know, I've been on your show a couple times, and it's always fun to come in. in um, and those were always surrounding um, business. That's always been my my yeah. passion. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I've been in business for myself most of the you know those that 20 years of practice, and understanding how it's afforded me the opportunity to be a single parent. Um, you know, be there uh, for the needs of of my my now twelve year old, who's who's you know k- kids are always um, growing in some form of fashion, and you have to you know they're they're like the masters of pivoting, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Anybody that cares for kids or is a parent, like you 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 know, is a pivoter, <laughs> and um, and so yeah, so this has given me an opportunity to really hone in and focus, and you know, I'm getting older, I'll be. F- uh, 48 uh, next month and mm-hmm. thinking of ways and the things that are important to me versus yeah. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. being a parent now thinking of, okay, you know, the legacy that I want to leave, not just the legacy of all the things I've done, but establishing a, a life and a foothold for, you know, for her that puts her in a position that is better than I had. And I had it pretty good because my parents had this thought process around the same age I am now as yeah. well. And and I've and you know, that's given me the opportunity to really see and now that I'm older can appreciate what they did for me, their 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 foresight and, and setting me up, really appreciating it now that I'm in that position. And so looking at ways to set not just my my daughter up, but really like having these conversations with with our community mm-hmm. about how do we create, maintain, build, grow, and transfer generational wealth yeah. um, as a means of securing our legacy and and moving moving each generation forward in a way that you know we haven't been able to do before yeah before we get to that though you know when you were talking about you had been you've been on my my show or this show several times um one when we were talking about willow tree roots and the power of she one when we were talking about you and your work when you were doing in cannabis and equity in that space and so it's i feel like you have this heart of service. Well, you mentioned that you wanted to be of service, but where did that come from? Was that cultivated from your parents? Where did that kind of wanting to serve come? How did that play a role in your life? How did that come to be? That, that's a good question. I ever, never actually thought about that. I, I think <laughs> I've, I think I was created. I was made this way. Okay. I mean, I can think back, and and my parents really kind of tolerated it mm-hmm. um, because it's you know my parents are from the South. You know, they met at Tuskegee, and uh, I was. Pr- pretty much raised here. We moved here when I was five, California in this area when I was five. So I've just been kind of raised with sort of a a different, you know, I've been around more um, liberalized thinking and my parents just kind of let us, you know, find ourselves and create ourselves. I I was really lucky. We all, my siblings and I are really lucky. We didn't have parents that were like overbearing and, and placed their, their values on us. They um, showed us their values and what it meant and really let us develop and cultivate and, you know, steered us in the right direction yeah. when we got off. Yeah. I, I very often was not on the same path, but it didn't mean my path wasn't a path either. And so um, I was fortunate in that. You know, I can remember back 
you know, um, I, I started my first business when I was 10. Mm-hmm. My mother taught me how to sew and I started making Cabbage Patch Kid clothes and selling them at school and I made like $182 <laughs> oh, and wow. that was like the, the greatest thing. And I, um, you know, at that age really understood how being like independent, financially independent and having skills and resources allowed me. And I don't even remember what I spent it on, but I spent it on something mm-hmm. that I wanted. And my parents just allowed me to, to do that. So um, I, I think I've just been built, you know, that way. I, I remember when I was 13, I, I decided that, you know, um, uh, I was going to become a vegetarian. And I remember sending, um, like, uh, taking PETA petitions around to my school, you know, oh, just wow. doing stuff and um, <laughs> just doing stuff and sort of feeling my way and trying to have some sort of impact in a, in a positive way. I think, I think that's just my nature yeah and I really appreciate how my parents just kind of let me you know they thought I was weird I was definitely like kind of strange uh-huh. you know but they never um, they never tried to curtail they never or, tried to curtail yeah. it they were just like oh look yeah yeah that's Tiffany like that's <laughs> I love that I, I love that your parents just allowed you that freedom to explore who you really are Instead of, like you said, making it like this is, these are our values. So these are the values of the family and that's it. And that's all. I will say this though, you know, they were very, um, strategic, right? So like my father, one way he, he, I remember again, when I was 13, that was sort of a pivotal age for me because I really decided, uh, this is who I'm going to, I'm going to be who I want to be. I didn't know we really know who who that was yet, Mm -hmm. but I just thought I'm going to be who I'm going to be regardless. And I'm going to, you know, like every 13, you know, every teenager coming in, I I was doing my thing. (laughs) I was, I was right on track, but I remember my father, you know, he told me, he said, and he recognized my sort of like independent female streak. I'm the only girl. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, if you, um, don't want to have to be in a position where you're going to have to have a man take care of you for the rest of your life. You're going to need to get an education. You're going to need to get, and for me, that was like, say, say no more, say less. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, he, 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 they weren't forcing their values on me as far as education. They, they always sure. told us how important it is. Um, but structured in a way, like, here's what's in it for you. This is what's important oh to you. God. This is, this is what's important to you. Here's what, here's what you, you really need to do. And that really served me well. I'm the only one out of my siblings that has a college degree and, you know, I have a law degree. And I'm not saying this days, you know, this is like 30 years ago, mm-hmm. 30 something years ago, <laughs> you know, and so, and so it may not um, be as relevant having that piece of paper now, but back then it was, particularly for a black woman. And so that's, um, that, that allowed me, you know, they, 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 they did it in a manner that still allowed me to be who I, who I am mm-hmm. and, uh, and very strategically and, and, and smartly helped me, you know, be in a position to where I didn't have to rely on anyone for yeah. that matter, for, for money. And, and like I said, I could, you know, be a, a parent, parent my child the way I wanted, which means taking her to school, picking her up from school, being in her business all the, as much as possible, mm-hmm. you know, doing those things, um, just being physically present, being emotionally present. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a very, you know, considering where they came from, it was a very non-traditional way of raising us. Yeah. And it served me well. You know, I can't speak for my siblings. I, you know, they have their own, their own origin story, but, um, it served me well. And, and I, you know, now that I'm older, I'm, I'm really appreciating 
that aspect. And it's taken me, you know, for almost 48 years to really understand and appreciate. But, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, they're, they're planning, they're setting us, and they've always talked about generational wealth. And I before I even knew what it meant, it was really important, particularly to my father. And now that I'm in that position, I really understand, yeah. you know, understanding what, what that actually means. And and uh, and so trying to do my part to impart that and share that and not just impart and share the knowledge, because that's one aspect of transferring generational wealth is, right. is, is the knowledge of how and, you know, the overall umbrella knowledge of how and then really like the nitty gritty of money, mm-hmm. talking about financial things and issues. Um, but, you know, so, so not only that education, but like, let's talk about how we can actually like, what can you do mm-hmm. every day to, to be in that position as, as well? And, and, um, and today is a great day to start. We are going to dig into that because that's a, a great segue to us starting to talking about when we come back from the break, your new baby t-sharp law and realty yeah which by the way <laughs> did you see that pivot you're, I saw you're that. so perceptive I'm you are on I'm it keen. i am so keen because look oh my god you're so good thursday <laughs> it was something else and then and then when i saw that yeah. you passed and i was doing my homework yeah. again last night or the night before oh my gosh i was like oh okay i see Tim and i did it. i just <laughs> you know i did and i did it just kind of like real quick uh-huh. you know like on a real quick quick because i was We'll talk about it when we come back, but yeah, I overcame, you know, I, I, I cleared a, uh, an accomplishment that I wanted to clear uh-huh. and I just very quietly went home and made some changes, <laughs> didn't tell anybody. So well, Miss Wanda does her I'm homework, impressed. Y'all. Come on, Miss Wanda. <laughs> Family, we're going to be right back after that, um, a- after that, after this, uh, with Tiffany Sharp, uh, Esquire, owner of T-Sharp Law and Realty. We're going to talk about that, building generational wealth and more. So keep it right here, family. We'll be right back after this. This is Full Circle. Like what you hear? Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. Family, we are back. <laughs> I keep saying every week I'm going to do a Patreon for the for the in-between conversation, but then you guys aren't, you don't need to be privy to all that, right? Uh, we're back, family. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Tiffany Sharp uh, Esquire. She is the owner of Tiffany Sh- or T-Sharp Law and Realty, which is her newest baby. It's a boutique firm specially curated towards building prosperity through inclusion with a focus on legacy building for generational wealth and intercultural competency for organizations and team health. I definitely want to dig into that as well. But I want to dig, first of all, congratulations. You passed your real estate exam yesterday. I did. Thank you. Congratulations for that. And then you, like I said, you flipped the switch. Yeah. T-Sharp Law and Realty. But when we we talked um, a couple of weeks ago, when we saw each other at Ewok and you were telling me about how you were starting to focus more on legacy building, generational wealth. What is, and, and you mentioned a little bit about that, how your parents, how you've always been this person that's been of service and you, you know, you just want to see our community win basically. But why is it so important to you at this time in your life? to pivot to this type of work? Yeah, so, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be 48 next month. And, you know, during the pandemic time, I closed my prior law practice and I went and I worked 
I worked for someone else. I worked for the state, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was say someone else. <laughs> and, and it was a good opportunity for me to really understand and appreciate what's important to me as well as what I want to do moving forward. Yeah. Um, and what that experience... really gave me a a better understanding is how the lack of cultural diversity really impacts our community. The lack of cultural diversity and cultural awareness and understanding, intercultural competency, Mm -hmm. to, to be more specific, it really impacts our community, not just on a financial level, yes, but also on a... Uh, emotional, mental health level. And, um, you know, that became really, it was like, you know, it's like I told my, my mother who, who really saw me through like a tough time when I was having all these revelations and things weren't rosy. Like I, I thought they would be, um, that I would never be in a position to where I had to rely on somebody else for my money. Mm. And thinking about how important that like that sort of realization to me and thinking, okay, wow, this is this is an opportunity to not only grow myself and gain some additional skills, you know, being an attorney is is wonderful, but also there's more. Yeah. And, you know, other things I wanted to do and how, you know, other not just other um income streams, right? Not just other ways to make money, but other areas of passion that I can use to help people. And from that naturally stems the acquisition of, of money, right? Like right. if you're doing, I really believe if you're doing something that you love and your purpose is for lack of a, but you know, good, right? It's It's not hurting anyone. It's really putting positive energy into the mm-hmm. into the world versus like taking it out and you know when I had my little I call it my little stint <laughs> at the state I was really we talked about it on a break that's mm-hmm. where the converse the break conversations <laughs> is so good um you know I was really like I was doing work that people really ex- you know when they think when you think of an attorney I was doing that kind of work just really like you know what I saw is more of pulling out positive Mm -hmm. versus putting in um and 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 you know when I was in a position to to like really think about I'm not the only person that has to uh push down a lot of things every Mm. day to go to work for the income security of their family yeah right or the Retirement and financial security, all the things we have to push down, all the things we have to put up with, all of the things we have to cover up, mm-hmm. right? Like I was, I told you about my hair, mm-hmm. you know, and and I have tattoos. So I was like, I had to cover those. I felt like I had to cover those up because yeah. I didn't fit into this mold and how cycle lot. And, that, you know, that's really all the things we have to go through. Yeah. And, and to follow along a model of trying to have assets for ourselves and our family um, and, and the toll that takes. So I started like, how do we, you know, what do, 
what do what do what do white folks do right, right like right. what do white folks do you know when how do they right because they've created a system let's take a look at that system what's the system um because just because a system was created not by us to benefit us doesn't mean that we can't benefit from it yeah and it's about entrepreneurship right mm-hmm. um two-thirds of the millionaires that exist today are self-employed or or from entrepreneurs self-employed right yeah you're not going to become a millionaire working for someone else most likely Mm -hmm. and then there's a percentage of that that's actually black women right like as far as accumulating wealth right Uh, entrepreneurship and real property ownership Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that that i was really lucky is to again my parents you know when i was um 23 I got in a, I got hit by a car as a pedestrian and mm. I and I came into a, a little bit of money not a lot of money but yeah. I came into a little bit of money mm. and while I wanted to get a Mercedes my father was insistent that I invest put a down payment on a home mm. and that's the home I live in today it's you know more than like 400% its value mm-hmm. from what I bought it and that you know he always said you will always have a place to live no matter what, you will always yeah. have a home. You will always have a place to live. And it's a, it's a nice home, mm-hmm. right? And, and so looking at that, like, wow, that was huge. That was a huge benefit to me, real property ownership. So that's the second thing. Yeah. Um, estate planning, right? How, how, and it's something that not only do we as a community are a little bit adverse about talking about because it entails us thinking about what life is gonna be like yeah. when we're no longer here, and that's a hard thing to think about. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of existential things that come with that. Mm-hmm. But it's really not about, you know, estate planning isn't really about you. It's about the people that are left when you're not here anymore. Yeah. And, and, and what can you do to put them in a position, a better position, or at the very least, a less disadvantaged position? Yeah. And then, and then the financial aspect. You know, how do we, we don't talk about money enough as a whole. Mm -hmm. I remember my father, we used to, to this day, my mother and I make fun of him because he has this little book. It's kind of like this. And he's always writing down balances and he's doing this financial stuff Mm -hmm. that we have yet to figure out because his handwriting is so small and it's so illegible. (laughs) We don't know what he's doing in this notebook. But he's always doing financial stuff and he's always, you know, moving it. I would watch him and just be fascinated with, you know, how he is managing the assets that he has. And yeah. we don't have these, and now we're talking about them because now, you know, it's sort of a thing that's kind of bonding us. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about this. And we don't talk about it enough as just a, a community, as a family sitting yeah. around the dinner table, right? Um, how to invest your money, um, how to save, right? To to. Yeah. To, to, to not only build, but create a life, that mm-hmm. life that you want and, and, and have something to pass on so that, you know, the next generation is, is just a few steps ahead. Yeah. You know, and that's how we, that's how we continually get ahead is we just keep making a few steps ahead, a few steps ahead, not just with each generation. Yes. But also within our lifetime, we can accomplish so much yeah. in, in terms of accumulating assets and generational wealth. And the way this country is structured is that money matters, mm-hmm. right? You know, I uh, for 20 years, I did work of service 
and it doesn't mean it always paid that well and and so and which is fine um but money matters right money matters in this country having money being able to have a voice money and economic i should say economic power uh gives gives you a voice Mm -hmm. right underrepresented communities have a way of becoming represented when it comes to having economic resources yeah yeah and and be it right, be it wrong, that that's how this country is set up and this is where we're at at this point in time. So let's figure out how we make that work for us and and put us in a position to where we are living the lives that we're really entitled to live. Yeah. That is a... I don't remember what the question I wanna, was. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I want to say that's a huge undertaking because I feel like there's so much that we have to dismantle mm-hmm. before we can even build up. And I, I'm so glad that it, there's starting to be a shift yeah. of people with that having that identity or that idea of. I want to build generational wealth. We've got more black women, especially during the pandemic, starting their own businesses. So, you know, we're starting to build that foundation. We've got home ownership, which, you know, we've got a lot of resources to help people yeah. To, yeah. to get and into it's a their buyer's market. for their first Buyer's time. market. Absolutely. Right? Like, you know, people think about, and, and, and I still have to get my, you know, um, my, my overseeing broker situation worked out just in a few days I'm with some folks that are going to really be fantastic and mm-hmm. and um, great mentors just amazing mentors and, and people that look like me and relate and, and understand um, so I can't speak too much on that at this point but I will say this you know people people uh, look at interest rates right and the money it takes to buy a home well I'll say it's, it's truly a buyer's market when you yeah. think about it if you're looking at just like the interest rates mm-hmm. that's that's a very small aspect of it because there are ways that you can ha- make that work for you yeah right it's a buyer's market you buy now and you refinance when the interest rates go down because it's a buyer's market more more homeowners are more willing to work with you mm-hmm. as far as like just you know giving discounts and credits and things and then you refinance later so that's what you know it's like th- these are the conversations it's a very it's it's easy to say oh i don't want to buy a house right now because it's the interest rates are high it goes it goes further than that right yeah. and if you're talking about a way to accumulate and and grow and pass down generational wealth in i'm telling you investment properties that's yeah. how that that's how um other folks let me say yeah <laughs> yeah you're right right investment properties and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you you have a huge uh, you know uh, corporate building i'm talking about small investment properties sure you go in with a group of people right you you make an investment you have an investment property. There's, 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 um, you know, tax advantages to mm-hmm. ha- holding that for a certain period of time, selling it for a like kind exchange, moving up, and you can just keep doing that. Yeah. Right. This is how it's done. Um, and so these are the conversations. You know, it's, it's, it's. Uh, I think when people want to talk about wealth and money, particularly sort of in our, you know, our society, we're not thinking about like, we, we see all the glamor stuff, right? Yeah. You see the car, 
that we drive, we were talking about, you know, like mm-hmm. that's one aspect, but, but, but there's, it's deeper, right? Yeah. It's deeper. There's more financial considerations versus just what, what it, it appears on the outside. Mm-hmm. So we need to start having these nitty gritty conversations about what does, what does money look like? Money is not necessarily the surface, right? Um, it's it's the strategic decisions that you make surrounding money and, and having those conversations. And I think that's where we as a community really need to start looking at and understanding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you start talking about money and finances, and even as an attorney, I would get these looks like, oh, you're an attorney? Yeah. Right? Because I'm a black woman. I have locks. I have a bunch of tattoos. <laughs> I love tattoos. I love my body art, you know? And... And and so people don't like the, the, the it, it it just confuses people yeah because usually I'm in a business suit of some sort mm-hmm. um, I'm either in a business suit or something or in yoga pants because I don't I don't have an in between <laughs> I'm in yoga pants and a paint stained sweatshirt right and usually that's because I'm sitting at home and so it's it's these conversations about okay like you know it doesn't what you think something is isn't always what it looks like yeah. Right. What, what you think money is, what you think wealth is, isn't always what it physically appears in front of your eyes. The way it physically manifests mm-hmm. is not necessarily what it is. Yeah. And because of the trauma that our community has has gone through in terms of wages and, and money and all of the things, it can be an intimidating conversation yeah. to think about. Because because money and wealth has been used against us. Yes. as It's been weaponized against us. And so I think that, you know, when we're talking about generational trauma, there's a fear, right? There's a trauma that's been inflicted upon us because we were chattel. Mm-hmm. Right? We were property. Yeah. We were money. We were used to make money and now that money that we you know our the generations before us the the not just the body labor but the intellectual labor the maternal labor all the things right Mm -hmm. all the things used to make money for somebody else we fear it because it's now that money is being used against us yeah right we're going into jobs where we have to put up with stuff. I for, I almost said a bad word, but I caught myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, we have to put up with stuff to make sure we get that paycheck, right? How we have to endure treatment and behavior by overseers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for, for, for money, it's, it's been weaponized against us. And so I think we have a fear of talking about it yeah. And understanding it because it's like owning a gun on, to a certain extent, right? It can be used for, if you know how to use it properly, it can be used for good or it can be very destructive. And what we've been, we've been on the other side of that weapon for so long that we have this fear of really understanding, not only understanding the actual mechanism, but like getting behind it and saying, okay, here's how I'm going to use it. Here's what I'm going to do with that. And, and I, so I think it's really important and that's why I've sort of made this pivot and stepped into this role because when you look at me, you don't, you don't necessarily see an attorney, especially if you see me at Trader Joe's on the weekend. In your yoga pants. In my (laughs) yoga pants and my sweatshirt and my hair down and 
you know, um, and my reusable bags. You know, I look like this, you know, I look like a 22 year old that, you know, probably lives in a van. Uh-huh. And I'm not, and I, and I say that as somebody who, who has a van that could, <laughs> that I could live in. I don't, but I, it's, you know, I could. Um, and so it's like when you, so like, let's have these conversations from a perspective of like, this is what it looks like. It doesn't always, you know, money doesn't always look like what you think it looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, talking as far as like, what does a financial plan or a financial investment advisor look like, right? What do you think of what immediately comes to your mind when you think of financial advisor? I think of an old white guy in a suit, right? right? Right. And I wouldn't take advice from an old white guy in a suit about how, like what's important to me as far as my money, regardless of the fact that they are knowledgeable. It's like they don't understand me and, and where I'm coming from and my motivation. So you bring up a good point, too, because there's a lot of trust issues yeah. around money, too. Yes. Yeah. You know, you just mentioned, um, you know, what the typical financial planner looks like, an older white man. But even sometimes when it look when the financial planner looks like us, yeah. we still have trust issues around that. It, so yeah. there's a like I said before, there's a lot of unraveling, unpacking yeah. that we have to do to have these conversations and to start to move forward in this, you know, way of starting to build yeah. that generational wealth. It's a general it's it's generational trauma. Yeah really coming through and we we fear what we don't understand that's it right that's it. Yeah. We, we fear and that's natural that's healthy that's survival but what we need to you know and this is again why I made the pivot mm-hmm. I want to get out of that survival mode community wise yeah. right we've been in survival mode since we've been here mm-hmm in this, you know, since our ancestors have been here, yeah. it runs through our blood. It's, it's, um, you know, it's proven yeah. that that trauma is carried through our DNA. So we've been in survival mode, and it's time for us to elevate out of that, move out of that survival mode, and and into thriving mode. Mm-hmm. And part of that is understanding the decisions that we make that are steeped in fear and generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Because I guarantee you that Chad or Chance isn't thinking about, you know, they, they aren't thinking about going to work every day. Am I going to lose my job if I am authentically who I am? Mm. Right. So, you know, it's just that, that, and I'm not saying that, you know, if, if, you go to your job and you're authentically who you are, you'll lose your job. But that's a fear that right. I think we all have, whether it be based in react fact or, or, or tra- traumas of the past. Mm-hmm. So, so it's really important to understand, okay, what am I carrying that's mine? And what am I carrying that's from my ancestors in the past? Mm-hmm. Right. What's my stuff and what's their stuff? And it's all relevant, but like, let's compartmentalize it yeah. and 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 move out of like that survival mode and move into thriving mode and this is how we do it we start having we start having a, a greater understanding and understanding when we don't understand something mm-hmm. and understanding that fear comes from not understanding right if you're afraid of snakes it's cuz you don't understand snakes right if you if you you know ask any 5 year old 7 year old 8 year old to tell you about snakes or whatever, 
you know, for my daughter, it was lizards. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about an opportunity to overcome fear, right? Like, you just have to embrace it, experience it, understand it, and then that fear is gone. It's the lack of understanding that creates a fear. Yeah. And it's that fear that keeps us in a in a position, you know, that that kind of continues to bind us to to those ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the generational wealth building that you focus on, we talked about real estate a little bit. I wanted to share my my story with you. Yeah. It's a real simple one. This morning I was driving through downtown. And sometimes when I drive, I used to live right off 16th Street. So sometimes when I'm driving down 16th Street, I'll go, oh, you know, I really miss living. I really like living downtown. I really wish I could live downtown. But this morning when I was driving down 16th Street, I was like, wow, I really miss downtown. But yeah, I like living in a house that I own. Yes. Come yes. on, girl. Come touch it. <laughs> Say it. So while I miss that, I'm more happy being in a house that I own. And it just made me reflect back to that, that, you know, looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today about generational wealth and building through home ownership, which is one of the one of the probably the easiest ways to build that generational wealth. It absolutely is. It is probably the fastest way. And yeah, easiest way mm-hmm. to build, not only just build like for generations, it's, it's, it's one of the best ways to accumulate wealth in the here and now, right? Yeah. I bought my house in Folsom. Yeah, I live in Folsom. I am black and I live in Folsom. <laughs> and I lived in Folsom. I moved I bought my house in 1998. Wow. In Folsom. I was like the first, we, girl, we had, I had coyotes around my house by, when I moved in. That's how undeveloped the area was. Yeah. But my dad was like, I remember looking at the plot of dirt that was going to be my house mm-hmm. thinking I could have been in a Mercedes. Right? Because <laughs> that's where you were going. You was like, I want the Mercedes. I wanted a C, I could only afford a C-class Mercedes. <laughs> and like, if you think about it, right? Like if I bought that C-class Mercedes, and Mercedes are beautiful cars, don't get, but they're expensive, mm-hmm. right? If I bought a C-class Mercedes in 1998 versus that down payment on the house at the ha- at the prices then, which, where do you think I've accumulated more equity in? Yeah. Right? I, I, yeah. My, my 1998 Mercedes may or may not still be running, but I guarantee you I would have put more money into it than I would have been able to get out of it. Yeah. Right? So it's it's that sort of, you know, um, that sort of thinking, that sort mm-hmm. of thinking. And when you're talking about how, you know, you miss downtown, but you like going home, people that know me know I never go out. Mm-hmm. I'm a home body because I love sitting at home Mm -hmm. there. You know, there's something about like, this is, you know, you know, it's like, this is my home. Right. Like Kate, and especially being a black single parent Mm -hmm. woman, like, this is my home. This is my, like, Hey, nobody, like, this is my home. Yeah. If, if I have nothing else, like my dad, I will always have this home and my daughter will have this home. This is her home. Yeah. And I've talked about, hey, let's like get a smaller house, you know? And she's like, no, this is my home. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is my home. If nothing else, this is our home. And, and so it's, it's home ownership is the most um, efficient way 
to accumulate wealth, to accumulate equity. Um, it really is, you know, if, if you, it's a, it's a, one of the best investments, you know, we're talking about, you know, the kind of investments that you can make. Home ownership um, is one of the few ways that you can almost always be guaranteed a return on your investment. Yeah. And and putting equity into it. Where, what else can you think of that you can buy something and accumulate equity in it while you're enjoying it and using it? It wasn't that Mercedes. It was that car, that's for sure. It was, yeah. Girl, it was not that mm-hmm. Mercedes. And now I laughed, like, I don't even, like, you know, it's like, a Mer- you know, Mercedes are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. they're expensive. Yeah. You try to put some oil in that thing, like. Well, and two, like, how many would you, how many cars would you have had yeah. in the same amount of time over 20 years? Right. How many cars would you have had? And how many places would I have lived? How many right. rent, how much, how rent, much rent would I have paid? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Adding to someone else's equity and and wealth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, adding, you know, someone else's not only while their property is appreciating in value, they're getting my money and building up their, you know, it's like double equity. So yeah. that's why I'm talking about, like even investment properties, you know, mm-hmm. you get it as an investment. It appreciate, you know, you 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 gain the equity in it. Mm-hmm. You use that equity to scale up, and you just keep doing that. In the yeah. meantime, you're renting it out, you know, for for folks that aren't quite in a position yet. Yeah, and you can. It's like a double. It's a double win. Yeah. Um, but home ownership is 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 the most ideal. One of the most ideal ways. Um, and and you know, I drove a Honda for years, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I drove a Honda for years. I drove a Honda up until May. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I had this, but I had a ha- but I had a nice house. Yeah. I have a nice, I have somewhere to live. I have a mortgage payment that's just so ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's just because I, you know, bought this house so long ago. I have so much equity in this house. Yeah. And that's sort of the payoff. So when you're thinking about, okay, can I afford, you know, people think it, it takes money to get money, it takes knowledge about money. Mm, that's to good. get money. That's good. It takes knowledge because money is not a limited resource. We have to stop thinking in this like sort of survival scarcity mode. Mm-hmm. Like there's only a, a limited amount of stuff for us to have, and you know that's kind of what we've been conditioned to think as as you know having been for most of us either chattel chattel slaves or coming to a country that views dark bodies in some form or fashion as property, yeah. right? You think like it takes money to get money. Mm-hmm. It takes knowledge to get money. It takes knowledge to accumulate wealth and it takes an uh, education about how to use that. And so, you know, part of what I'm doing, you know, there's really five ways of accumulating, maintaining and transferring generational wealth. Hold that thought. Yeah. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about those ways because I have a feeling one of those ways is entrepreneurship, yes. which is what I wanted to segue to next. So see, we're on the same wavelength. Keep it right here, family. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. This is Full Circle. Show your support for the show by liking and sharing our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5. It's not just talk when you put it into action. 
empowering women through conversation with Miss Wanda. Hey, family. Hey, we're back. <laughs> I'm telling you, those middle conversations are just the best. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with my guest, Tiffany Sharp Esquire. She is the owner of T Sharp Law and Realty. And we're talking about building generational wealth. Tiffany is on a mission. She has created her new boutique law firm, that is specially curated towards building prosperity through inclusion with a focus on legacy building for generational wealth and intercultural competency for organization, organizational and team health. So before we left for the break, you were talking, you were getting ready to mention the five ways yeah. that we can build generational wealth. Yes. We talked about real estate. Yes. What yeah. are the other ways? Yeah. So yeah, real estate's one. I'm going to save the I'm going to save my favorite for last. Okay. okay. So real estate is uh, invest real property ownership I would say is is one. Um uh financial literacy and financial investments, so in actually in you know investing your money, putting money aside mm-hmm. in various forms and fashion, that's that's two. Um estate planning Estate planning is hugely important, and these are all things that I do, okay? So we can talk about, you know, securing your assets to pass on. And it's and again, it's not so much um, thinking about, oh, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be here anymore. It's about what you, what's left when you're gone and who's left when you're right. gone. Right, and how do you want to protect or serve or to give to yes. your loved ones? Yeah, and one of the greatest services of love that you can give to a loved one is the ability to grieve loss without having to haggle, worry, figure out how to distribute those, your assets. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's good. Giving them an opportunity, you know, talking about generational healing there's nothing more disruptive to a family than a member passing, and then you gotta fight about what's left. Mm. So that's one of the greatest services of love yeah. that you can give to a loved one is the space to grieve your loss without having to be in a contentious position of mm. divvying up assets and things that you've left behind. So estate planning is the third. The fourth is what we've really been talking about is like, you know, wealth education, the Mm -hmm. overall umbrella, understanding what it is. And so we've been talking about the fifth is my favorite. And I usually have that first because it's my favorite. It really is what what I'm, you know, my passion, what I'm driven. But it is um, entrepreneurship and having your own business and whether that is leaving your job and 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 pursuing it full time or having a side hustle. Mm-hmm. You got to start somewhere. Right. And entrepreneurship, not only just the assets that you can accumulate through entrepreneurship, but having a business that you can pass down, right? Having a business that consists of goodwill. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by goodwill is like that reputation, those existing customers and clients the money that's you know left over but like an established business to to pass on um is it's i would say next to real property ownership 
the, those two, I mean, I think they're all important. Yeah. Those two are kind of my favorite, you know, um, because like everyone, it's hard to think about estate planning. It's hugely, you only really got to do it, I would say, like once a year as far as estate planning. Like mm-hmm. think about it once a year, make sure everything's up to date. But on a day-to-day basis, entrepreneurship is one of the best ways to, to and and think about it. if you're going to a job that you hate every day and what I mean by hate is like you get a paycheck but it's not fulfilling you yeah then it's so cathartic to be able to have a side hustle mm-hmm. you know that is based on your passion and your joy building that up whether you you do it like I said as a side hustle or if you you know if you decide to do a full time having the tools and resources necessary and 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 I and I see a lot of conversation happening around my circles like I'm gonna be I'm an entrepreneur I'm gonna start a business I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and you know here's the technical here's the technical steps and I have you know I've done business consultations and business help with business startups and like you said I've been on here before talking about the nonprofit I had and and doing entre you know an entrepreneurial incubator for women of color um, so I've con- I've done hundreds, right? Hundreds of business consultations and help business startups. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I always ask: Do you have a business plan? What's your business plan? What is your plan? Yeah. Because it is the it is the s- one of the single most important vehicles to success in your business, mm-hmm. and one of the most overlooked. Right? It's just that planning and. I remember I ran my law practice for like 10 years and I didn't have a business plan. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't have a plan. It was just like, I didn't know how to do it. I had, you know, looked at some, they were like 20 something pages. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's, <laughs> why, what, what am I, like, what is this, what's in this 20? I didn't understand it. Yeah. Right. And again, the fear comes from not understanding. So I will say this, a business plan doesn't have to be 20 pages. Ain't nobody got time to read a 20-something page business plan. <laughs> nobody is nobody that wants your business plan, whether it be like investors, um, people that you want to go in with, nobody wants to see your 20-something page business plan. Nobody's going to read it. Yeah. But you need to have a business plan because not only do a lot of places require it, but it is your plan. How are you going to make this business work? Right. It is your roadmap. Every time I go somewhere, even if I know where I'm going and I've been there a hundred times, I will still put in my I will still put the directions in my GPS because things change. Right. So your business plan is your roadmap to success and how you want to get there. And you it's a, a living document that you constantly update based on the growth and the changes and things but it's it's the it is the single most important important starting point mm-hmm. and so i always ask do you have what did, do you have your business plan you know when when i have people call me and i've had it in various um contexts during the entrepreneurial incubator when i was doing cannabis all the things right all these different mm-hmm. areas i ask okay do you have a business plan and if the answer is no, it's like, I don't, we, we can't, we don't, there's no discussion to be had because y- if you don't know where you're going, how can I help you get there? Yeah. So, um, so yes, entrepreneurship, but before you even start, well, I wouldn't say before you start, part of starting, starting step one is your business plan. Yeah. 
And so you're offering a course. Yes. For people, and I, and I, just so you know, I'm I'm going to enroll in the course too. Because oh, I'm going to send you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yay. I'll, so, I'll send you. Yeah. I want. I want. I, I because I don't have a one that I feel confident mm-hmm. in. And so if you have one, maybe, and you aren't as confident, or maybe you've just kind of put one together off of what you saw online and grab pieces and thought, okay, maybe it's supposed to have this and this. If you don't have one at all, or if you have one that you're not confident with, or if you have one that you're just like, I don't know what I was doing. I just put something together. Then this workshop will be for you. Yeah, this is, I really love, and I've done it, I've presented it a few times. And I'm going to do it again um, because I think it's a really easy, digestible way to understand business plans. Yeah. And so um, the, the, it's a virtual, so you don't have to get out of your yoga pants at all. <laughs> um, you can have your pets, which, you, you know, uh-huh. all the all the comforts that we've gotten used to over uh-huh. the pandemic. Um, you can still have those, but you can also build your business mm-hmm. and um, and do that. So it's virtual. It's on December 15th. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Right now, the price is only $15. What you get when you register is you get a pre-course workbook. So workbook. So when you register, I give you this pre-course workbook so you can start putting some things on paper. Mm -hmm. We're going to start from the day that you register. You're going to start putting some things on paper. And even if you don't know any of, you know, a lot of it, Mm -hmm. these, you can start thinking, okay, in these, you know, let let me start putting some thought into these. Um, and then uh, before the seminar, you're going to get the course workbook, okay. which we'll use and we'll and we'll go through. And by the end of the course, you should essentially have your business plan done. Um, and the way that it's going to be presented, because a lot of business, it's going to be presented. Um, you can do a business plan on paper, and a lot of people now like to do it as pitches, right? Mm-hmm. Like as actual. Yeah. And so the way that we're going to be doing it is like, here's what a business plan pitch looks like. And essentially, you can mm-hmm. take these slides, put them on paper. This is your business plan. But here's also how when you're talking about talking to investors, potential investors, particular, you know, people that you want to get buy in mm-hmm. from in whatever context that you need. A great way to do that is actually it's a slide deck, you know, like, yeah. it, you know, in the t- you know, talking about a lot of how they do it in the tech world. Like they have pitch decks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do it as a pitch deck, but all you got to do is put on paper. There's your paper business plan. But people like a pitch deck now because like I said, most people don't have time to read a business plan. They want, you know, we're visual people um, because of the way we're set up now post-COVID. You can do a pitch deck via Zoom, all these things, all these things that make it more accessible. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Either way, in whatever form or fashion, you're going to have your business plan done. And it serves twofold. It serves not only as a way to present your business for, you know, potential stakeholders and people that you want to get by and investors, mm-hmm. but also, most importantly, it tells you, you know, how, what, where are the areas that you need to fill in the gaps, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to, if you're going to take the opportunity to start your business, it's it's like your baby, right? It's like yeah. your child. You want to give that child every opportunity to be successful. Yeah. You're setting yourself up, your baby up, your business. You're setting it up for success if you have a plan going into it. And again, it's not as ominous 
as you may think it is. And again, mm-hmm. I, you know, 10 years, I didn't have a business plan because I was like, I've looked at a couple and I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what this is. Mm-hmm. Why, do, why do I need this? And then once I started doing a business plan, it was a way for me to do a number of things, but most importantly, get right within myself about like, what is it? What do I, what do I, what is my mission on this? What are my values, right? Like, how do I communicate this Mm -hmm. to people, right? It's like when you're standing around, like your, your, your elevator pitch, your mixer pitch, Mm -hmm. right? Um, How do I communicate what I'm doing in a few short sentences to get buy-in immediately. That's how you really understand. It gives you understanding mm-hmm. of like what, what your actual business is. So um, so that's why it's hugely important. It just serves a number. And then you're talking about your finances, like what kind of money? Most businesses fail because they don't understand the money aspect of it. The, and you know, what do you need to invest in now? What do you need to spend money on now? What do you not need to spend money on now, mm-hmm. right? And when that money comes in, what do you need to be doing with it to recycle it back into your business to make sure that you are, again, setting yourself up, setting your baby up for success in the future and for longevity? Yeah. So the business plan seminar, I really like it because I know personally how much I was intimidated by a business plan. And so I really have a deep understanding of the reluctance of a lot of people to have a business plan. And most of the time when I ask, I would say four out of five times when I ask somebody, do you have a a business plan? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. And I understand that because it's really, you know, I have a lot of sympathy regarding that. I I get it. It's, 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 if you don't understand it, it's really, and there's nobody there that can explain it to you in a normal manner, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not some technical you know, I don't, I don't speak legalese to people unless I'm, you know, speaking to another attorney. Even, I don't hang out with a lot of attorneys, actually, for, <laughs> for, for a lot of reasons. But, you know, in like really simplistic, real world terms yeah. um, a, a, about how to understand it. And every time we, I've had this seminar and we go through it, it's like, oh, my, it's, it's just, you know, the, the impact and the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. um, because yes, it's something you need to have, but also it it's really, you know, it's like your vision board. I love a vision board mm-hmm. um, manifesting. It's your way of manifesting your, your, your dream, but you got to like have stuff, you know, you got to fill in. What do you want? Right. Right. What do you want and how do you get there? And your business plan is your means and mechanism of how to get to where you want to be. And not having one can be a barrier to, you know, exposure to other, um, you know, people in your industry where you want to grow. It can also be a barrier to financing because a lot of times when you're doing pitches or when you're doing... They require you to have a business plan. Absolutely. Because here's what it says. If you're, if you are, I'm not going to invest in something if you don't have a plan. Right. I might, if I'm going to throw my money away, I'm going to throw it away on something stupid. Like I'm going to really just, Mm -hmm. let me go and buy something frivolous. Right, you know, right. that I don't need versus I'm going to get something that gives me a little bit of enjoyment mm-hmm. if I'm going to throw my money away. Right, right. Because it because that's essentially when, when you're asking someone for money or financial investment or even capital investment of any form, right? Um, or for like help, right? Like just even, you know, labor help or something, you know, yeah. when you want people to 
help you with something in some form or fashion, in some form of of capital, whether that be financial capital, physical capital, mental capital, mm-hmm. and you don't have a plan to fully and functionally utilize what you're asking them to give you, mm-hmm. any prudent investor is not going to invest in you if you don't invest in yourself. Because that's what it really says. Yeah. You know, when, when I talk to people and they don't have a business plan, and, and usually the consultations I would give are free. Why am I going to invest my my free advice to you if you're not if you haven't invested in yourself? Yeah. To, to and you're not in a position to receive this mm-hmm. it, because then I'm wasting my time. What it tells me is because yeah. you're not in a you know you 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 well, you, you aren't there put yet. The effort in yourself. That's right. So why am I putting in That's more right. effort That's than right. you? That's right. That's right. And and when you and when somebody asks you, you know, do you have a business plan? You say yes. Can I send it to you? Already immediately you've caught in their attention mm-hmm. because what it says is that you think enough of your business. A few things. You think enough of the the enterprise that you're trying to engage in to put thought into it mm-hmm. to create a business plan it doesn't even have to be perfect right because yeah. there's no perfect business plan there's no there's no business plans are not stationary they're constantly moving and changing but what it shows is that you've put thought into it and you're thinking about how to be successful mm-hmm. it one it says that it also says that you respect their time to where you're not going to ask them to uh, inconvenience themselves in some way, whether it be by financial, you know, lifting out, you know, financial investment, mm-hmm. uh, uh, helping them with, uh, you know, working on something, you know, intellectual capital, capital in whatever form. I don't just mean money. It tells them that you respect their time enough to put the time in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because if you haven't made the investment in yourself, why is somebody else going to invest in you? Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So it's $15 right now. It's December 15th. It goes up to $20 December 1st. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get, get in there. And this is usually a course that would be like about 500 plus dollars with the workbook and, and everything. It's a live course. So, you know, you'll have an opportunity to engage. We can ask, you know, ask questions, mm-hmm. you know, as we, as we go through and answer some things. Um, but it's going to be real, a really good opportunity, like I said, between the pre-course workbook, the actual course workbook, and the course itself. Mm-hmm. You're going to be so confident with your okay. business plan um, and being able to talk to people about your business, right? Here's where I'm going. Here's my mission. Here's my values. Here's, here's um, you know, he, here's some of the obstacles that I foresee, and here's how I'm going to overcome them. Yeah. And, and that really catches people's attention. But more importantly, it gives you like, you know, it, it helps you understand not only just is it right for you? Because I think if you're if you if if it if it feels right to you, it's right to, for you. Yeah. Right. There's no like, oh, I don't know. Do you think I should? Do you want to do it? Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to be in a position to set yourself up for success. Yeah. That's so good. I want to talk about one of one more thing on your uh, five uh, points of generational wealth. And then when we come back from the break, I want to talk about what you do with companies and organizations. Oh, yeah. 
I want to go back to the trust uh, for just a moment and planning, uh, estate planning yeah. uh, for just a moment and really stress how important that is. And I know we don't like to talk about it. We don't want to think about having a will. But, uh, you know, I was looking at an article the other day and it was talking about how all of these young rappers that have mm-hmm. been getting killed have not had a will. And, and in fact, it was uh, the takeoff from the Migos. I was The article was specifically about him. And now his family, so he didn't have any children, but now his mom and dad, who are no longer together, are now fighting over his estate. Yeah. And so things would just be a lot more simple if people just, even if you just had a will in place, not saying that that's the end all and be all, but at least even if you just had a will in place and it's never too early to have, if you're, if you're, if you have assets. Yeah then you should at least have a will. If you have a savings, like if you got a couple bucks, Uh right? Like, and even if you don't, you know, people think, oh, estate planning. I need to have an estate. No, what estate planning is, is it is a pre-planned method of disposing of whatever you have when you are no longer here. That's what we mean by estate. You don't Mm -hmm. have to have a sprawling, you know, uh, mansion that is your estate. Although I think wherever you live is your estate. Right. If you live in a one bedroom studio, you know, you live in a studio apartment, that is your estate. You make it, you make it your estate. Estate just means your belongings. Stuff. That's all it means. That's your stuff. Your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we can't call it, you know, stuff planning. It doesn't have that <laughs> doesn't nice have that ring, way. but it's just like how to dispose of your stuff. And I, so I did this TikTok because my 12-year-old got me on TikTok. And um, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm too old for TikTok, but I'm on this TikTok. <laughs> and, I, and I did this TikTok about exactly that, right? Comparing Prince, mm-hmm. who, I mean, Prince, right? The artist formerly known as Prince. That's all I got to say. You know who Prince is. And everything that he's accomplished and everything, all of the wealth and assets mm-hmm. and intellectual capital that he accumulated through his lifetime being the brilliant artist that he was unfortunately died what we call intestate meaning he had no will no uh, estate plan at all no living revocable living tra- he had not he just died he just passed mm-hmm. and um, no way of disposing of. And so even though um, he wasn't married at the time, mm-hmm. right? And he didn't want to marry me. That's fine. <laughs> um, and didn't have any children. He had like full siblings and half siblings and they all had kids and they went for years arguing through the court system because when you die intestate, meaning you have no no plan, um, you have to go through what's called, you have to go through probate court, where yeah. basically the, the civil court has to figure out how to divvy up your stuff. And millions of dollars, and, and it's not like the court just gives this out for free. They, they take your money, mm-hmm. they hire lawyers, and you know they hire people to do it, they're gonna charge their rate, so millions of dollars in fees, Mm-hmm. Went through this probe, you know, going through probate just to figure out how to divvy up his assets. And it was only just uh, wrapped up last year, two, right? last year, 2021. Yeah. January, I believe. Yeah. I'm, my years are all messed up since the pandemic, yeah. but it was just recently wrapped up, right? And he passed 
2016, mm-hmm. so I believe. Somebody's, you know. 16 or 17. 16 or 17. Like I said, my, I'm a blur since the, the pandemics. And if I don't write it, if I'm not, it's in my calendar. If it's not in my calendar, I don't know what happened. Right. But, okay, so take that in comparison to Nipsey Hussle, who um, is also a brilliant artist. But he's also a brilliant business person. And he put in place, you know, all of his kids had uh, trusts. And he had an estate plan. And so when he passed, you know, he, he everybody has said, like people had set up these GoFundMe and these crowdsourcing campaigns, you know, to make sure his children were set up. And his family actually said, shut it down. We don't need that. He took care of that. Yeah, we're good. He made a plan. So it's, it's hugely important. It's not something that we want to think about. But if you think about it in terms of I'm not here anymore, nobody wants to think about not being here, right? One of the greatest, our greatest reasons for living is, is, is living and, and like people knowing that we exist. Mm-hmm. People want to be seen. And the thought of not being here anymore and not being seen is really a deterrent um, a lot of times for a lot of things. Yeah. But it's not, about, it's not about you not being here. It's about caring for the loved ones that, that are still gonna be here. Trying to grieve you and your loss or the absence of your physical presence in their lives mm-hmm. anymore. And having the ability to do that without then having to go into a contentious mode of now, then, then you just, then it's like your memory becomes one of the stuff you had. Yeah. And not That's what good. you left, not, not yeah. the feelings that you left. That's good. Right. That is really good. That's a good way to look at it because yeah, it becomes the fight among the family or with the courts or whomever. That's right. Um, versus the memories, the good memories yeah. of love and affection. It can really be a way, you know, someone's passing or transitioning should be a way of bringing the people that loved you together, mm-hmm. not pitting them against each other mm-hmm. or tearing them apart, right? That Nobody wants that. Yeah. And so it's just thinking that little bit of step ahead. It's not about you being <laughs> dead and gone. Mm-hmm. It's about you no longer being here in physical form, but being able to love on the people that you loved on after you've transitioned to wherever you believe you're going to, be. Mm-hmm. It's about them. It's about leaving them in a space where you are continuing to love them in a way that that helps them in a positive manner. Yeah. So that's really what it is. And so I think it's hugely important, ir, um, you know, revocable living trusts or things you can set up now, they're revocable. Right. So if somebody messes up or, you know what, I don't want to say like that, you know, if somebody, if you want to make changes to it, let's just put that way. You want to make changes to it. Are you right? You're right. Somebody messes up. Somebody, you you know, (laughs) you just, or, or most often what happens and, and, um, you know, you need to update it because the, you know, what we really want to see is you need to update it because you got more assets to put into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you got more stuff that you need to you like. you started that business that is now very successful and you bought some land and, you know, you have all of these things that you've accumulated yeah. that you need to protect. The other thing I want to mention is it's important for you not only to have the trust, um, but also to make sure that you're keeping up with it mm-hmm. is because and I've seen this happen in cases of a divorce. 
when things weren't changed. Ooh, child. And now the ex who's married to, to you know, someone else or, you know, they've gone on and, you yeah. know, and have this other life. Yeah. Now, because the estate wasn't changed. That's right. I have, I've seen, I actually have a friend that their ex-spouse is now getting portions of their retirement mm-hmm. that because, you know, and, and, there, and there's community property stuff yeah. too, but other portions of their retirement and other things that they didn't think about right. updating their estate when yeah. the time came. And so now he's like, oh, I'm sick, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah compl- I mean, you know, that's, I have a great relationship with my daughter's <laughs> father. Or my, I don't call him my ex-husband. We were just married a quick hot minute to make this amazing human. <laughs> Um, but we're, you know, co we're, we're teammates and co-parents and it's, it's, we have a great relationship. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, it's like, oh, if he gets my, I don't care, you yeah. know, like what I know he's, he don't want, you know, he's yeah. going to use it to raise our child, whatever, but still, nevertheless, there are, that's unfortunately a rare case. Mm-hmm. Right. And I still got my stuff in order that I got, you know, yeah. um, I still got, I've still got my stuff in order just so that there's no issue. Right, because people don't want to have to think about cleaning up your stuff when you're gone. If you think about it that way, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you need to update it. I say update it annually. So what I like to do is like, okay, let's do your, let's do a, a revocable living trust or whatever is best suited. Those are the most flexible. Mm-hmm. Do a pour over will, combi- you know, those combine, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna check in with you at least once a year mm-hmm. to see what we need to add, to see what we need to update just as maintenance, Yeah, right? It's just, just as a maintenance. I would even say like the whole estate planning, it's just life planning, it's just life maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just making sure that everything is, is where you wanna be. And when you're talking about, you know, the whole big picture, I really liked the way you couched it as like, you start your business, you get that asset. So I have this, when you were saying that, I had this vision of, somebody starting their business, their entrepreneurial enterprise, and they manage, you know, they they are able to buy commercial property space or some property mm-hmm. that they can use as an investment, as investment property, or they're running their business out of it. And then they can continue to grow up and scale up. And, and they're doing that because they understand the equity that that business has built and they understand the like kind, you know, tax trade-ins and things. And they've got their financial uh, literacy about them. You know, all of these things, you work so hard and this is the ideal. This is how, you know, the, the this is how, you know, a society that that built his wealth on 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 chattel slavery and 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 Native American lands and you know all of the all of the things. This is how they've been doing it, yeah. right? And you get to that point, and then you transition, right? Where's it going to go? Where you? How do you make sure? How do you ensure that? that continues to build, that continues to grow. That's really the gift from beyond Mm -hmm. that you can give is growing this, accumulating it, and then transitioning it in a manner that your legacy can continue to grow it, expand it, they can transition it. This is how it's done. And until we understand that, we're just gonna continue to be in this same stagnation. Of, of like survival mode, right? Living day to day just to get what we need. 
and not, and then like we're showing our kids that this is what life is about. It's about the daily struggle. Yeah. Life ain't about the daily struggle. It's about the daily joy. Mm. Okay. And, like and, and this is, you know, this is how, this is what we need to be looking at and thinking about in order to do that. And so you serve people in this way of helping them plan and think about not only the uh, land ownership aspect, you also help them plan and think about the trust and the yeah. leaving of their legacy behind in that way. Plus, you also help people start their business, get on their good foot. I mean, I love that you have all of these things encompassed in, in terms of helping the community build that generational wealth that we, you know, we've been behind the eight ball for yeah. so long in terms of planning and building and all of the things. I, I almost want to call it recapturing our generational wealth. I like wealth. that. I like yeah. that. Like, let's recapture that generational wealth. I like that. Right? Because we've, we've, we've been building the wealth for generations, for others. Let's recapture that and, you know, and, and you know, bring it back home. I love that. I love that's a good I like that recapture our yeah. wealth I like that it's like reclaiming my time that's right that's know? right Recapturing that's right because listen you know we can keep re waiting for reparations how long are we gonna keep you know while, while we're while we're waiting on these reparations we need to be proactive mm -hmm. and create a system to where we don't need reparations in order to survive yeah yeah. Because it's, you know, it's a long time coming, right? And if the past, you know, six years, since 2016 have taught us anything, it's that there is a larger issue about the perception of what society thinks black and brown bodies deserve right or what we are entitled to and so you know if you keep waiting on that sort of you know that sort of reckoning to come uh you know do something productive while you wait time while you wait and let's do some stuff yeah you know yeah. Yeah. And the other, so the other aspect of, of what I'm doing is, you know, sort of with the organizational side. So I want to talk about yeah. that when we come back from the break. We're going to take a real quick break, family. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Tiffany Sharp. We'll be right back after this. This is Full Circle. Empowerment through conversation that starts with you. Tell us what topics you want to hear. Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And she's back with your perspective on topics you care about. This is Full Circle with Miss Wanda. Oh, family, then welcome back to Full Circle. It's your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with friend to the show, Tiffany Sharp Esquire. She is the owner of T Sharp Law and Realty. She is, and, and it's going to, I love that it's going to evolve into more, yeah. but it's a boutique firm that's specially curated towards building prosperity through inclusion with a focus on legacy building for generational wealth. And the other part of that is the intercultural competency yeah. for organizational and team health. This Talk is about huge. that. Yeah, this is hugely important. And, you know, when we're talking, you know, piggyback off of our conversation that we left out, we're talking about, you know, waiting on society to get on the good foot and do mm -hmm. the right thing, mm -hmm. right? And what we can be doing in the meantime. But that doesn't absolve the larger, you know, powers 
that be those people that are in control of a lot of the money and via paychecks and employment mm -hmm. it does not absolve that system from coming to their own reckoning and understanding right and so what i actually did when i you know when i left the state and it was very brief because i was like this is not for me mm -hmm. um the, the money was great but it was it was it was at the lowest point of depression in my entire life, I mm -hmm. can say, mm -hmm. um, with the things that, and what I, what I really began to understand is how impactful the larger, I mean, I always understood it from a peripheral perspective, being an attorney that's had to talk to people about workplace discrimination and microaggressions in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Because I've been primarily self-employed for so long, I have had to deal with it from an out like you know outsiders but it was always my business i was always the one i could always turn my back and walk away from a situation mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have that um and a lot of people should not have to face that and so when i when i left i really took some time to think about how what can i do to be most impactful based on what i've learned in this and these experiences mm -hmm. both in a positive manner, you know, the, the positive things that I've learned and the things that really depleted my soul. What can, what needs to happen? What needs to change and what can I do? Mm -hmm. And so in that, in that process, in the meantime, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, DEI work that's being done or, or JEDI work. So the um, DEI is diversity, equity, inclusion, and people have, you know, there's creative ways to flip it around. So JEDI is justice, equity, diversity, inclusion. There's a lot of work being done, mm -hmm. right? And what I saw even in the own situation that I was in is when these things would come up, it's it's like, okay, you get you go and you get the, the, the training, right? The sort of mandated HR training. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's mandatory. So you gotta be there. Right. Right. And people know it's mandatory. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit in this little mandatory. At least I don't have to work this day or whatever accumulation of days. Mm -hmm. I just gotta sit here and, 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 you know, check the box that you went, basically. Check the box that you went mm -hmm. and not really. And I've, I've, I've sat through these, like, you know, cause I'm not exempt, uh, even sure. though I should, you know, anyway. Um, and it's like, uh, and then you leave and you just keep on about your business. It does not have, you know, the impact, the, the actual, and the, and the reason being is that in my opinion, and I know there are some, I have colleagues doing amazing work. And one of the things that they told me when I was, you know, seeking their mentorship and guidance and getting into this area is that you will, it, you can burn out very quickly. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult because it's like you're talking to a wall most of the time. People are checking the boxes and, and don't understand what it really comes down to. What it really comes down to is like a, a very internal analyzing that needs to happen. And it's not happening when you got to go and do a mandatory check the box. So with that being said, I, I, I looked at various ways to really help people understand internally because that's where that's where the growth comes from right? You're not going to grow. We're not going to grow as a society because our employer tells us we got to do it. You're going to grow as a society because you have this aha moment or this reckoning moment or this sort of revelation that, that, that within yourself, and then that's where the change comes. Um, and so I became what's called an intercultural developmental, um, uh, oh, what's the official, uh, 
uh, title. Anyway, anyhow, it takes a scientific, it's a scientific method of, you know, you go through a, a individualized test testing. Um, oh, intercultural developmental inventory. Okay. And it's a scientific system of really understanding personal intercultural competency and organizational intercultural competency. And it's a because it's a it's a quantitative based analysis. You have to go through a training and get certified. Mm -hmm. So only certain people can do this. And so I've I've done that. And I really like that method because it takes the Right, like if you, uh, most DEI programs, it hits you with emotion first, right? Like, this is wrong, you should do this. And if you think about like anybody, if you tell, like what's in it for me? And that's just human nature. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean people are, like that's that's how the world works. And we have to really understand human nature and human behavior. Mm -hmm. If you say, this is wrong, this is and hit with the emotion, right? Okay, yes, it's going to catch somebody's attention, and that's what a lot of marketing is, mm-hmm. right? It catches your attention. It sparks an emotion. It makes you feel a certain way. But most people, all people, we are we have a short attention span, and emotion is only going to like external sources that make us our emotion are only going to impact up to a certain extent. Right. The work comes from internally. Think about when like somebody can be telling you something and I'm I'm so hard headed. I know this very intimately. Somebody can be telling me something, telling me something, telling me something, telling me something. And I'm so hard headed. I don't it do, whatever. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. I don't whatever. I, like I know you're telling me something for my own good, but whatever. Until I expe- until you internally understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. Those were those in- aha moments. Where you're like, you know, like a lot of people, for example, during the pandemic had some aha moments, right? Like this doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This is what matters, right? Like these are the things that are important. These are my, this is what my values are. And so until you really start like getting in and start making some internal. And so this is what the, 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 the testing and the programming does is let's test your intercultural competency. And, and going through this, I had to do it. And I th- like I was like, you know, I am super interculturally competent. Not, not only am I a black woman here in America, I should be enough, but I have a lot of international experience. I've dealt with people internationally. I've traveled and worked internationally. Mm-hmm. I thought I was way over here on the spectrum and I took this test and I was not. And, you know, I was I was not where I thought I was at all. And I had to say to myself, why? You know, I kind of, when I took it, I was kind of like, how dare they tell me? Like, how dare them? And I started reading it and understanding it, and it was like me spot on. Absolutely me spot on. And and that helped me, you know, um, grow in my own way. And so what what I've done is cultivated a, a additional aspect to my practice that really helps companies and organizations, you know, yes, doing the, the surface justice, equity, diversity, inclusion work, but let's get in there. Let's see what's really going on. Let's get it under the microscope, right? Let's, let's really push and move change. Let's understand who you are individually and everybody's, you know, personal results are confidential. Mm -hmm. It's a one-on-one conversation we have. 
And it's not just the testing, but it's a growth plan. It provides you with a growth plan of like, okay, here's where you're at. Here are some things that you can do to get to where, because it tests you where do you think you are, mm. and then it tests you where you really are as far as this this quantitative spectrum of intercultural competency. And then it gives you a plan how to get there, right? It's a gradual plan. Here are the things that you can do on a daily basis and and you got to put the work in. So it talks about an individual and then as a company-wide so that companies and organizations can really understand, you know, where 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 are you? You can you can roll out um, you know, canned trainings all you want. If it don't have an uh, effect, if it doesn't have any impact, if you aren't really making any change, you're wasting your money and you're wasting your time, you're wasting your employees' time and you're wasting your money because people care about money. Man, tell me about it. I was having this conversation with, so, you know, I was telling you and I'm sure the Full Circle family knows I'm a training manager for a state a department. And so, you know, in the last couple of years, of course, DEI yeah. has become this buzzword. And, and I was talking to our executive director and she was like, oh, you know, I want to roll. I want your team to roll out this training and this yeah. training. And I said, you know what? We can have training all day. But it, 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 there, we've got to do more. We've got to take a, a deeper dive yeah. look at the organization. We can do yes. all the trainings you want to yeah. do, but it's not going to help in some regards. Like it can only help so much. And you're going to start making DEI a curse word. I told her just like, I yeah. said, you're going to make it a curse word. People aren't going to want, as soon as they hear DEI, they're going to be like turning their backs yeah. because and you're we're getting to that shoving point. it down their throats. Yeah. We're getting to that point. Yeah. People, because, you know, particularly after George Floyd, that's yeah. where it really yeah. started to become a thing and and the awareness right but it was like how many companies did you see putting out their little media their little statement. statements mm-hmm. right this is what we believe in and how many and 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 most of us just rolled our eyes like right because how many of them are really following through with that that's right Right. Yeah. It's it's I hate to say it. It's sexy. It's glamorous. It's like, oh, we are DEI proficient. We have a DEI officer. And yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. You should always have this right. should be a C-suite uh, position mm-hmm. everywhere. Right. But just because you have a position, just because you are putting on these little presentations doesn't mean you're actually doing anything. Right. It's mm-hmm. like when my daughter was little and she air quotes clean her room Mm -hmm. and just push stuff around and push it under the bed (laughs) and move it around so it's out of sight but the junk is still there that's what it's like Mm -hmm. right we just pushing stuff under we're pushing around so it looks nice but that banana from three months ago is still under the bed it's still it's still molding up it's still it is still it is still making stuff nasty and it's going to continue to do so. That's what I really see is like, you know, these sort of this, this, um, unwillingness. I'm going to call it like a, a, it's, it's almost like a gaslighting. It's a way to gaslighting to say, okay, we're just going to listen, do a little training, check the box, right? Mm -hmm. You're gaslighting a whole population of people that are, that are adversely affected by your lack of ability to be interculturally competent. Mm. by saying we're just going to do this training and, and okay now we're we good now we we're good? good we yeah. good no we're not good let's do some dig deep down diving mm-hmm. and if one person realizes that there are things that they can do better mm-hmm. then it's worth it yeah right so that's that's the type of 
assessment and training um, that I've been trained to do and having these real, you know, we can go in and have a little DEI training mm-hmm. and we can have a little show, a little PowerPoint presentation, mm-hmm. a little, you know, Canva slideshow. But before we do that, uh, we're going to get in there and see what's going on under the bed. Yeah. We're going to see what's in the closet. Tiffany, this has been a wonderful conversation. I can't believe we are at the top of the hour already. And uh, there's so much more we can talk about. Of course, you know, you have an open door to come back to the show anytime and have more because these conversations are important. Yeah, They're really important. Um, tell everybody how they can sign up for the workshop yes. and also how they can tap into your services. Excellent. So if you go to my website, um, tsharplaw.com, or you can go to tsharplawrealty.com. Uh, <laughs> Either way, it'll get you to the same place. Um, tsharplaw.com is shorter, it's easier. If you go onto my website, um, if you want to register for the course, you you know again December 1st, it goes to twenty dollars versus fifteen. Mm-hmm. Click on wealth education, mm-hmm. and you can register there. Um, You can also select an area where you would like to chat with me about and schedule a consultation with me. We'll do a free free consultation. Let's have some conversations about any of the things that we talked about today. Um, And I wanted to thank you, Ms. Wanda, because you are always the platform and you always provide a space um, for me to come in and share these things, which I highly appreciate. But you are a huge resource for the community, um, not just a resource of, of uh, knowledge, but a resource, you know, of following the, your passion. You, you, you walk the walk, you know, you talk, you talk it and you walk it. So you're an amazing role model and example. Oh, thank you. And uh, I just appreciate you so much. And I always love to see you and oh. thank you for... Thank you. Always allowing me the space to come on and, and run my mouth about all these things it's I love to talk It's my pleasure. About. I love talking to you, Tiffany. Thank you so much. Family, make sure if you have a business, if you're just starting a business, or if you're thinking about a business, make sure you check out the uh, business plan workshop. That's right. Yeah, December 15th. December it's 15 15th. bucks right now. It's $15. Yeah. It's yep. normally like a $500. Yeah. Um, course so. getting a deal family so sign up before december 1st or if you don't get a chance to sign up before december 1st the class is december 15th yep. make sure you sign up go to tsharplaw.com that's where we can sign up and find all the yes, information yeah. and if you want again wealth building generational wealth building legacy building or if you have a, a corporation or if you are a person that is in leadership that can do some intercultural competency work for your organization or for your team make sure you reach out to tiffany as well. Again, it's tsharplaw.com. That's how we're doing it, family. Show love to everyone you meet, and I'll see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.